This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Hi everyone, I'm Jane Tara and I'm chatting to authors and experts about their self-help, wellness and personal development books. If you're looking for ways to be happy, be well and be inspired, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Better Reading B. Gretchen Rubin is one of today's most influential observers of happiness and human nature. She's the author of many books, including New York Times bestsellers, The Four Tendencies and The Happiness Project, which I loved. Her books have sold more than 3.5 million copies worldwide in more than 30 languages. She hosts the top-ranking, award-winning podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, where she explores practical solutions for living a happier life. Her latest book is Life in Five Senses, a wondrous exploration of sight, sound, touch, taste, and scent in an attempt to find happiness. I'm so thrilled she's talking to me today. Gretchen Rubin, welcome to Better Reading B. I am so happy to be talking to you. I'm so excited to talk to you because I've loved your books. I really loved The Happiness Project, as Uh, did millions of other people. And I was very excited to get this book, gorgeous book, gorgeous explosion of colour book, but Uh also uh, it really gives a sense of what is in the book as well, this explosion of the senses that you explore. Can you just give listeners a, just tell them a little bit about the book, give them the elevator pitch. So I realized that I was stuck in my head. I was sort of lost in a fog of preoccupation and I'd been studying happiness for years and I'd had the sense that there was something that was missing some element. And I realized that it was the five senses and that I, you know, because I think sometimes we have these transcendent abstract aims like draw closer to other people or evoke memories or calm anxiety or boost energy or spark creativity. And what I realized is that I could tap into the power of my five senses for all of these things. And and it was a creative, playful, kind of energizing way to do it. It was very concrete and also um, didn't take a lot of time, energy or money to make myself happier in a lot of different ways. Yes, it's amazing. You write here a few years ago, an ordinary event shook up my life. I made a trip to the eye doctor um, and I've explained to you, prior to the podcast that I had a similar experience going to the eye doctor, a misdiagnosis Mm -hmm. for me meant that I explored sight in my own life. But um, during that visit, you were told that you had a retina issue that could later impact your sight. So that was the thing that started this whole journey for you. That was the big epiphany that, that made me realize what that missing element was. I had been sort of dimly aware that there was something and it was really the shock because I think a lot of times we don't take we don't appreciate what we have until we lose it or we're or we're threatened with loss. Yeah, that's and being right. Told, and yeah. being told, well, you know what, um, you could have a detached retina. Uh, you're more at risk for that, and that could affect your vision. That shocked me into a realization of, wow, I, you know, I, I I didn't notice a single thing on my walk over to the eye doctor. You know, I live in New York City, so I walked over there. I didn't notice one single sight. Um, and now, but now that I, I, I think about losing my sight, I realize, oh, I, I shouldn't be taking this for granted. 
No, it's interesting, isn't it? When I had this misdiagnosis for three months, I, I mean, I panicked at first and um, spent a couple of days in bed drinking wine. <laughs> mm-hmm, but then yeah. I actually went down the site rabbit hole and started to explore what it meant to see. You know, mm-hmm. you've you've gone even further than that and you've actually gone what about the five senses? Um, mm-hmm. You write here, the visit to the eye doctor had revealed three truths. I wanted to appreciate the moments of my life more fully. I wanted to get out of my head and into my life. And I wanted to deepen my knowledge of the world of other people and of myself. So you started studying your five senses. Mm-hmm. I found this absolutely fascinating. Did you do it all at once, like study all the senses at once, or did you sort of break it down into, I mean, obviously you're going to do it and be experiencing all five senses at once, but did Mm -hmm. you break it down and go, okay, this month I'm going to focus on sight or on taste? I did go through periods where I would focus very intensely on one sense, but what I found is that you know, when I was doing research or when I was studying things, a lot of times they bleed into each other. So if you study taste, well, you're going to be studying smell because taste and smell are so closely uh, uh, in alignment. Or like if you're studying sight, well, sight is sort of, we're hardwired for sight. It takes up the most real estate in the brain. So how sight works with the other senses, it it often will trump the other senses if there's conflict. So it's it, it's very hard to disentangle them. They're they're very interwoven. So in, in my study, I would be, you know, taking notes and thinking about all of them. But then there would be periods where I'd be like, OK, now I'm in my 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 smell phase and I'm like all things smell. Um, so that was fun. But but it, there it wasn't that strict just because they all do. Um, they they interact. The sensorium is really how we experience the world, all the senses working together. Absolutely. And you've expanded that for yourself, haven't you, through this uh, experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, what was really interesting was you you say things weren't so strict, but you actually did place some structure around this experiment with a plan to visit one place every day for a year. Mm-hmm. You said, um, by returning to the same place week after week and by learning what I could see, hear, smell, taste and touch there, I hoped that I'd learn more about both the place I visited and myself. So you decided on the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah. Which I love, one of my favourite. I, I used to live in New York and I used to take mm. my son there every week. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but you went every day, every day that you were in New York mm-hmm. for 12 months. I've kept doing it. I love doing it so much that I never stop. So we're way past that year now and I still go every day. I looked at your website and I saw that actually. So, well, yeah, yeah, it seemed to be that you were still doing that. So uh, did you have a list of places that as you were organizing this experiment and how it would work, did you have a list of places or was it just the natural choice for you? You know, I thought about, should I come up with a real plan? And I decided that what part of what I wanted from the, and of course, you know, I'm so fortunate that I have the time and the freedom and I live within walking distance of the mat. I decided that I would try to have as few rules as possible for like what counted. Um, so I could go for long or short and I could do whatever I wanted. And so I I did sort of, just because I wanted to map the place, as you know, if you've been there, it's kind of gigantic and maze-like. Mm. So I wanted to just sort of, slowly go through it one time just so I knew where everything was. So very slowly I moved through, read every sign, went through, you know, every room. 
but I, I might go one way one day and one way the other. Uh, but I slowly did work my way through. And then ever since then, I've sort of I'll either go where I feel like or sometimes I give myself little assignments like, I don't know, Pantone, which is this color color company has their color of the year every year. So I thought, let me go see if I can find the color of the year and some artworks in the med. So I'll go look for that. Or if I read a book that mentions a certain artist or a certain figure from Greek mythology or something, I'll be like, oh, I'll go see if I can find representations of that. So sometimes I'll give myself little fun assignments. Sometimes I'll go with other people and I'll say to them, you know, show me your favorite things or I'll try, I'll show them one of my favorite things. So it's, it's, I tried to leave it very open. It could be long, it could be short, um, just to do what I felt like, to give it sort of a feeling of recess. Mm. I loved that there was a section where you wrote about taking a friend, an artist friend of yours, mm-hmm. to it, yes. Sarah, was it? And yes, she, Sarah Z. yeah, and um, she was able to give you new ways of looking at Mm -hmm. the art Uh, and that was Mm -hmm. in the section about sight but you also write a wonderful section about what's overlooked Mm -hmm. inside and I I'd never thought about looking and seeing in those terms what's overlooked to start my experiment to help my eyes explore I set the task of looking for what I'd overlooked and then you give some examples after that and I liked this one in particular, and I got out a pack of cards and looked for it after. Oh, I do, yeah. I'd recently been seized with the desire to learn to play poker, so I'd been spending a lot of time with cards in my hands, and for the first time I saw the hidden white eight, Mm -hmm. right? On the eight of diamonds. In the eight of diamonds. Now, wow, I'd never seen that before, so I thought, okay, what have I been overlooking. And I thought I'd just come up with a couple of things to tell you about today. Yes, tell me. Yeah. So in the last couple of days, I've noticed that my dog has gone gray under his chin. Oh, (laughs) You know, I'm always rubbing his chin and playing with his chin, but I didn't notice that. I noticed that the Amazon logo has an arrow in it, starting at the letter A and ending at the letter Z. So mm-hmm. it's A to A to Z. That um, the cover of your book is a canvas of color, while all of your previous book covers are shades of blue. So mm-hmm. those were three things. I thought I'll just jot those down and tell you about things uh, because oh. I'd been looking at your books for the past couple of weeks when I knew this podcast was coming up, but then I just hadn't looked at that. Well, here is something else about the book. If you look at the book jacket. Um, so inside the book, I use five icons uh, to represent the five senses. If you look at the book jacket, there is there is an icon that is it's it's hidden in plain sight. Like so, if you if if you look for it, you will see it um, in a place where it's not really supposed to be. It's pretty hard to spot, but you can look for that and see if you can find it. I am so excited about that. I'm looking at it now and don't want to um, lose focus from here because yeah. I'm not seeing it straight away, but no, I will. It, it, look it, it takes it. close look. It takes a close look. <laughs> I, you actually do talk about how we see things differently, like different people see things differently and you use mm-hmm. the example of the dress that yes. was one of the early sight things that went viral on the internet, I guess. Uh, So talk to us about that and the brain and how different people can see things so differently. 
Well, and it's not just seeing, it's all of the senses. And this was one of the things that just astonished me um, in my study of the five senses, because I kind of intellectually knew that. And it's sort of like, yeah, depending on your genetics and your upbringing and your culture and your experience and your preferences and even the environment in utero before you're born, you know, you're, it, you will experience the world differently. I knew that intellectually. But it's very shocking to realize just how different it is. And that's part of the reason why the dress did go viral. Because when you see the dress, like to me, it absolutely looks white and gold, mm. even though I now know it's actually blue and black. What do you see? What colors do you see? I think I saw it because I know the one you mean. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was blue and black. And that is the color that it is. And it's interesting yeah. because a lot of times with optical illusions, you can kind of see the vase or the faces or the duck or the rabbit. But I cannot see it blue and black, even though I know that's the the real color of it. Um, and there's so many examples of this. For instance, like, I live in New York City and um, I'm often recording a podcast and a producer will have to say, like, hold up, there's a siren because my brain just does not tell me about sirens because I just don't need to know that. And so they just fade out. Mm -hmm. um, whereas for somebody else, they hear them right away. If you're the audio producer, you're listening for that. So it just jumps out at you. Uh, we can't smell our home the way a guest would smell it because when you smell something very frequently, you become habituated to it. And so your house could smell very strongly of cats or air freshener or dog food or, you know, uh, your favorite meal to cook or whatever. But you won't experience that because your brain doesn't alert you to that because it's so familiar. Um, but to somebody coming into your house for the first time, that would be very obvious. And so these, it's just it, it's just fascinating to think about how we feel like the world is sort of like, you know, that we're sort of living in an objective real world. I um, love that but, so much. It's fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah, our brain is just editing away. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But you write in uh, the section about sound as well, about our voices. You know, we spend a lot mm -hmm. of time listening to ourselves as we laugh, talk and sing, but we hear those sounds inaccurately. When we speak, we hear our voice through our ears and we also pick up vibrations in the skull made by the vocal cords, which makes our voice sound richer and deeper. And you're mm -hmm. right, because when you listen, when I yes. listen to myself on this podcast, I sound like a very Australian mini mouse, <laughs> which doesn't come out until you're listening to the playback of something. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is why a lot of people don't like to hear recordings of themselves. Yeah, because right. Yeah. We don't hear ourselves the way other people hear us. And even like our nose, like our brain will kind of, we don't, you know, you're not that aware of seeing the tip of your nose. because but you can see it when you look for it, but it just kind of, it's like, hey, you don't need to know that. So it sort of phased it out for us. It is remarkable mm. how active the brain is. Mm. So you do all five senses and I won't, I've written so much down uh-huh. here, but I won't go into it all because I actually want people to buy this book uh, uh, because there's so yeah. much in it to go through multiple times. But with sound, you write about music and how that has such a dramatic influence on our bodies, our minds and our behavior. My oldest son has just moved to Vancouver and he's mm. a musician. He's in his early 20s and has been playing music and sort of a form of jazz for his entire life. And I am missing Mm. the sound of him in the Mm -hmm. front room. You know, I am missing the music in my life. You know, music, I'm trying to work out what can replace that in terms of like a soundtrack for my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you did a deep dive into music and how important that is. Yeah, music is is extraordinary. It's interesting because it is a universal part of human culture. All human cultures have music. They don't really know why. There's a lot of debate about why is it that something that's not necessary for survival is is yet you know a ubiquitous aspect of human culture. But it is very clear, as you say, that music has this tremendous effect on us. And it's really something that we can tap into because it's one of the quickest, easiest ways to intervene in your mood. So if you want to like I created an audio apothecary of songs to like cheer me up when I was feeling blue to like cure the blues, all these like very happy, upbeat songs. But then you can you can make a, 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 a playlist of songs that put you into like a meditative mood or kind of a melancholy mood or um, you might want to get you're kind of in a situation where now you're going to need to think about, OK, well, I have this hole. So now what would I what would I do to plug it in? Having someone playing music in person is very different from playing mm-hmm. a recording of music. So that's a difference. Um, but it's, it's it's something I mean, one of the most common ways to use it is it makes exertion feel less arduous, which is why, you know, people listen to music when they're exercising. My gyms often play music because it makes it feel easier but here's a question, though, too, is music uh, for focus and productivity. So um, when you're trying to focus, if you really need to, like, concentrate, do you prefer silence? Silence. Uh, okay. So yeah. because some people like a busy hum, like a coffee shop. Some people like like white noise, pink noise, brown noise. Some people like music with words. Some people like music without words. But I'm with you. I like silence when I need Yes, to and I love that you actually have that in the sound section of the book that you write about becoming firstly aware of unpleasant noise mm-hmm. and then turning up the silence. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, look, I'm a meditator. I mm. meditate every day for an hour and silence. Oh, for is, an hour? Yeah. That's yeah, that's that's impressive. Yeah. So silence is really important to me, um, particularly when I'm being creative. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the time, give me a wonderful soundtrack. So how do you uh, incorporate silence into your life? I love silence as well. I, and uh, and uh, I one of the things I did for Life Advice is really stretch myself to listen to more music and to appreciate music more because I really do err on the side of silence. Sounds like even more than you. 
But so I did things like turn off my notification sounds, change the alarm tone of my phone just to bring down, you know, just like we clear clutter, you want to clear clatter and bring down the noise. Clear Um, clatter. I love that. Clear clatter because there's all these noises that we put up with. It's funny that my dishwasher makes this noise when it's finished. It's this just really unpleasant beeping. And I went on, I went online to try to figure out how to get disengage it. And it's like, there are all these desperate people like, (laughs) oh my goodness, how do we turn off this alarm sound, which nobody needs. Nobody needs to have like this deeply urgent notification that your dishwasher is done. Um, completely unnecessary. That I was not, I was, I was confounded by that. I was not able to do that. But again, I was thinking, let me look around and see, are there unpleasant noises or noises that are disrupting the silence that I could change? You know, that we can't control everything, but some things we can control. But one thing that I noticed, some sometimes there's sort of a pleasure in a silence being interrupted by a very quiet sound. And I live in New York City. So I, but when I really started tuning into the silence, I realized that my, the elevators in my building make this very faint clanking sound, which for some reason I really, really enjoy. And I, I mean, I've lived in this apartment for years, but I had never really tuned into that. And now it's like, it's just this little, it's this quiet sound just on the edge of silence that I really enjoy listening to. That's interesting. It reminds me of when I was a child, we lived opposite a lighthouse. And my bedroom was at the front of the house and the light would sweep through Mm -hmm. my bedroom. My parents were always trying to put sort of blinds down so I could go to sleep. But I I actually needed that to go to sleep. I loved that that light going through. So there are some things that other people would not be able to handle at all, right. like the sound of the elevator for you, uh, that actually you can find comforting as well. Yes, yes, exactly. No, and I think that's a really a really good point because one of the things I, I, I have often heard from people is like they think there's a right way to do things or the best way to do things. But instead, I think it's much more useful to think like, well, what works for me? Where? How do I thrive? What makes me feel happier? And try to bring as much as we can, of course, we don't have perfect control, but to try to bring circumstances into whatever works for us. So one person might say, oh, well, if you really want to concentrate, what works really well is to burn a scented candle and that will bring you into focus and you'll associate it with you. And then you're like, oh, but I, you know, I don't like, I don't like a lot of smells or, you know, so it's like, there's no right way or wrong way. It's really about figuring out what works for you. And then if you're with other people, how do you create an environment where everyone feels comfortable? Because definitely people, because we do live in different sensory worlds, we have different uh, different surroundings that we feel comfortable in. But I think sometimes people want to find the best way or the right way or like what research shows. And I'm like, well, what research shows is that we're very different. And so if somebody says it really helps me to go to sleep, to have a lighthouse light sweeping through my bedroom, it's like, okay, okay. Mm. You know, mm. I listen to a podcast before I go to sleep. For me, this really helps me fall asleep faster um, if mm. I'm listening to a podcast. And then I know people who are just sh- shocked by that, that are that think you need absolute silence or as close as you can get to it if you're going to fall asleep. And they would never listen to anything to help them fall asleep. And again, it's just, you know, sometimes we have to do a little bit of experimenting um, to find mm. out what works for us. I think that's one of the great things about your book. You don't tell people what to do. You share mm. your experience of exploring all five senses. But throughout the book, you have ways for uh, the reader to actually explore their own experience. 
there's a great section in sound and you have um, written a manifesto for listening mm-hmm. and you've you've got a whole list here that I've read and now I'm going to go back and actually with my partner I want to talk mm. through it and mm. it, because it's it's fascinating and it's things that you can do alone or you can share with someone else and try and work out what your own experience is of a, mm-hmm. of a sense but I love in this, in your manifesto, you go, show my attention, turn my body and face the other person. The second one is don't rush to feel a silence. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Gosh, I love that so much. My first husband was Japanese and mm. or is Japanese. And when I married into that family, we would sit around the dinner table and I'm so used to filling silences. Right. Oh, how awkward. We can't have a silence, you know. And if they had nothing to say, they just wouldn't, mm-hmm. they wouldn't speak. And that was very comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it was as I got older, I began to appreciate just how wonderful it is just to sit and not mm-hmm. feel the need to constantly fill silence, particularly in conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you going with that one? It, it's hard for me. Because, and I think I often do it too, where something feels painful um, or, you know, I I, I don't want to sort of let something just rest or I feel like I need to like come up with the right thing to say. And it's interesting though, because I'm very close to my sister, who's the, the co-host of the Happier podcast with me. And I started making a much better, bigger uh, attempt to just not rush to fill a silence. And she's very good at that. And one thing that I realized is when we're on the phone, we started saying to each other, oh, are you still there? Because we would just be better at being like, oh, if some one of us said something that was sort of big or painful or hard, instead of just like quickly rushing in, I would just sort of let it let it sit and think. And, you know, to the point where it's like, are you there? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I'm just thinking, you know, and I think sometimes that is the the most kind of respectful thing you can say is I'm just just taking it in. I'm just thinking about what you said. Um, and you're right. We often are sort of trained to think we need to rush in, but that's not necessarily uh, the best thing to do, you know, or as you say, or, or necessary. Sometimes we can just sit in a companionable silence and that can be um, that can draw us together just as much as talking. Mm. So you go through all of the senses, you write at length about them all. What was your favorite sense to explore mm. and why? Ooh. Well, either sight or smell. I mean, I do love sight. Um, I, 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 but, you know, but sight, we are hardwired for sight. So for a lot of people, you know, sight is very, a very prominent part of experience. Um, because I did visit the Metropolitan Museum every day. That was like, I would tune into all my senses there, but it was definitely, uh, you know, a very visual experience. So I loved sight. But maybe I have a special fondness for the sense of smell. I've always loved the sense of smell. It also feels like a treat. It feels more fresh in a way, maybe because it's not as ubiquitous as, as seeing. You know, it's interesting because I think I've always been very interested in the sense of smell, but um, often it like, uh, especially in the West, it's it's been seen as kind of a bonus sense, a sense or kind of like a nice to have sense. But sadly, I think because of COVID and so many people losing their sense of smell, I think most people either did lose their sense of smell or know people who lost their sense of smell and heard about how bereft they were, mm. what a loss it was, I even temporarily 
Fortunately, most people have gotten it back, but I have a friend where it just hasn't come back. You know, she's mm. at 24%. She's in a big study. I think there's a lot more appreciation for it. I think people are are much more aware of the power and, and how much it adds to our daily life to be able to tap into our sense of smell. Because but as so I said, I, I've always with... I've always done it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's so interconnected with taste as well, isn't it? It's, so it's, it's so connected ends up being with taste. both. It's so connected with taste, so it really affects taste. But then it's also just our sense of connection to other people. Like people feel very isolated because there's something about not being able to smell someone. Mm. You know, it sounds almost kind of vulgar to talk about it, but it's a very true. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so if you talk to people, so I, I do have a special, I have a special fondness for the sense of smell. I do love the sense of smell. One of the things, because I think for a lot of people, they do kind of neglect their sense of smell. And and because it can be hard to know which of your sense you neglect, we're much more aware of what we're tapped into than what we're not. Um, I I created a quiz. Uh, if you go to GretchenRubin.com slash quiz. I saw it, yes. Yeah, it will tell you your neglected sense, which is fun. What's your neglected sense? Did you I haven't actually done it oh. yet, but I've got the link there because I'm okay. going to go back and go through. You've got a, a lot of things on your website for listeners mm. to uh, go and have a look at that relate back to this book as well. So I think it's important to get the book. And go mm-hmm. over to the website and check everything out. Yeah, because it's fun to tap into the ones that you know you're enthusiastic about. Yeah. Um, like it sounds like you're very uh, hearing focused. But then the, but then the low hanging fruit sometimes is with the ones that you neglect because that's where you haven't been looking for adventures or learning or, you know, using it for comfort or pleasure or or connection. So it's fun to think about the ones you love and it's also useful to think about the ones that maybe you overlook. Look, I think I overlook um, smell probably. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to get someone to smell my house. It might smell of dog and I might have no idea. So (laughs) yeah, you and me both. I worry about that myself. Yeah. You write about the benefits of this exploration. Yeah, you write about having more energy in your life. You write about the appreciation of your husband, Jamie. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you give a great list of things that you noticed about him as well. Uh, What advice would you give to our listeners right now about going and getting this book because of the impact this journey has had on your own life? Well, I have to say, you know, I started this exploration thinking like, okay, it's going to exploring my five senses is going to help me to be happier. But I have to say, I was completely unprepared for just like how powerful it is, because in just in so many directions with so many aims that a person might be pursuing the 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 five senses like there's a way to tap into the five senses so if you want if you're feeling kind of low energy and sluggish and listless you can use the five senses to give yourself more energy but on the other hand if you're feeling like really wound tight and stressed out you can use your five senses to calm down and to create more serenity it's a great way to connect with other people and to deepen your relationships it's a great way to spark creativity um one of the things that i i'm one of these people that i don't have a good memory for my own life. So I'm always looking for ways to kind of evoke memories and hang on to memories. And of course, the the senses are, you know, so well known for their connections to memories. And so we can tap into our five senses to evoke memories and then also solidify memories. And also how to remember now, because what's familiar is very easy to ignore. So I did a lot of, like I created an album of now where I just took pictures of 
my bedroom, my living room, the inside of the fridge, uh, my dog, uh, the street outside, because I thought, you know, when you look back on the past, a lot of times it's not, if you're not interested in seeing your family in front of the Eiffel Tower, you're interested in like, oh, what did our kitchen look like? Or I forgot about that shirt, but now I remember it perfectly. And so to try to hang on to the memories of now, as well as to reach like find ways to reach into the past to evoke memories, because a lot of times we have memories there. We just haven't tried to access them. And a lot of times by saying, like I did a taste timeline where I thought of the tastes of my life, um, that brought back a bunch of memories. And again, I called my sister so we could reminisce because my taste memories of childhood or her taste memories of childhood. And we had so much fun just like talking about what did we eat on long car trips? You know, so fun to think about. There is so much in this book to read and then to go back and do again in, mm-hmm. in your own life. And that's what I intend to do. You know, uh-huh. I, I love the idea of the album of, of now. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was the novel, The Sheltering Sky, I, and I'm totally oh. paraphrasing here, but there was one line about we don't know the last time we remember yes. something that, you know, a yes. memory will disappear yes. forever and it's always yes. lingered with me. It's yes. always, you know, it, have I forgotten things that were important? I, I don't know, you know, because you've forgotten them. So I love the idea of of taking photos of not just, you know, the holidays that we go on or right. the moments, exactly. you know, but, you know, the, the mundane. The, the very ordinary. Because in the... In the future, that's what will be most interesting to us. I went online to see if I could find pictures of my grandparents' house, like posted on a real estate site. And sure enough, there were pictures and it hadn't, nothing had changed. And I had forgotten the the pull, the drawer pulls were these very distinctive kind of wagon wheel drawer pulls. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot that I remembered those drawer pulls. But the minute I saw them, I was instantly back to my childhood. And yeah, and so sometimes these these the, it's all there, yes. but we don't know to reach out for it. Um, oh, I'm going to have to reread The Sheltering Sky. That's This just sounds like just my kind of thing. Oh, look, I'm going to have to reread your book. Look, the book is Life in Five Senses. It is absolutely marvelous. Gretchen Rubin, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.